Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a terrific job. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy, constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. We're going to continue our conversation with regarding the Second Amendment and gun control. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, author of many books. We'll be talking about his latest column, Are Bioengineering Marvelous Cures Worth the Monstrous Risks? And I think you know what we're talking about with regard to the Wuhan Laboratory. It is June the 16th, and on this day in 1858, newly nominated senatorial candidate Abraham Lincoln addressed the Illinois Republican Convention in Springfield and warned that the nation faced a crisis that could destroy the Union. Speaking to more than a thousand delegates in an ominous tone, uh, Lincoln paraphrased a passage from the New Testament, a house divided against itself cannot stand. The issue divided the nation was slavery's place in the growing Western territories and the extent of federal power over individual states' rights. Lincoln declared that only the federal government had the power to end slavery, and while the southern states relied on an economy and lifestyle dependent upon the cheap labor provided by African-American slaves, the North opposed slavery on moral grounds. The northern states also considered industrialization and manufacturing the key to America's economic future, not farming. The entrance of new states into the Union, such as Missouri, Kansas, and Nebraska, brought to a head unresolved conflicts over which government energy, entity, the state or the federal government, should make the final decision regarding slavery. For his part, Lincoln firmly believed that slavery was immoral and was wholly incompatible with the principles of the Declaration of Independence embodied in the phrase, all men are created equal. However, Lincoln prioritized preserving the Union above all else. After Lincoln's speech, several of his friends expressed dismay at its radical content. Leonard Sweat, uh, a lawyer and friend of Lincoln's, later wrote that Lincoln's talk of using federal power to end slavery was unfortunate and inappropriate, although Sweat admitted that in retrospect, Lincoln was ultimately correct. At the time, the people of Illinois ultimately agreed with Sweat. Lincoln lost the close Senate race of 1858 to a more moderate Stephen Douglas, who advocated states' sovereignty. Lincoln's eloquent speech, though, earned his national attention, and his strong showing in the polls encouraged the people to back his ultimately successful bid for the presidency in 1860. The whole issue of states' rights has become such a key in the development and the uh, strong uh, strength of the American people. Right now, we're so fortunate for uh, federalism here in uh, the state of Florida. Well, a town in Florida accidentally sold its water tower to a blundered real estate transaction. A businessman purchased a municipal building underneath the city of Brookville's water tower last April for $55,000 with the goal of converting it into a gym. However, when Bobby Reed went to the county to get an address for his new business location, he was told that the parcel he bought included the entire water tower site, including, <laughs> according to the Tampa Bay Times, <clears throat> whoops, 
Luckily for the town, Reed was willing to give it back. County records show that he transferred the water tower back to Brooksville through a warranty deed last month. The town of 8,500 people uh, located about 50 miles uh, north of Tampa. I don't know where the blame falls here, said Blake Bell, a city council member. We're council members and we rely on the city manager, we assume, that has done his due diligence. So a lot of finger pointing going on here, as you can see from elected officials. City manager Mark Kootenay blamed the use of bad legal description for what had happened. The city redevelopment agency director resigned after the accidental sale. We're human, Kootenay said. Sometimes we make mistakes. Yes, that's absolutely true. Pretty human story. A humorous story that sold the water, town water tower for $55,000. Well, the hand county portion of the Arizona audit is finally concluding with the last boxes of ballots on the floor. Audit officials have been replacing hand counting tables with forensic imaging tables in order to expedite the selection and the uh, section of the full forensic audit. Uh, more tours are planned for uh, today and more units audits are maybe starting soon in July and we're speaking of other states in the nation. We should have a hand count result in about a week, and with the discrepancies found so far, it doesn't look like there will be. We'll find all 2.1 million ballots certified in the Maricopa County uh, election. At least that's what we're hearing. If we do not find the ballots, we will not have evidence that Joe Biden was the legitimate winner of Arizona. On Saturday, former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens said, uh, told the Great Way pundit that there was not enough ballots in Arizona, legislators must stand up and decertify the results. <clears throat> well, that would be an interesting outcome. Again, we're in uncharted territory right now. So where this is all going to lead, we can only speculate. But certainly, if uh, Biden didn't get the receipts, didn't get the votes, he probably shouldn't be president. At least, according to in Arizona count, we don't know what the other states will show so far. Well, the corrupt Republican leadership in Georgia continues to pretend they are what they were not, and there is no one see, no one sees their true colors. The most corrupt Senator, Secretary of State in recent history, Brad Raffensperger, in Georgia, continues to pretend that he's a good man working for the people of Georgia. And of course, he's not. Despite piles of evidence of a corrupted election and fraudulent acts, this crooked Secretary of State pretends that he was working for the people of Georgia, and he certified the election. He was not. We really don't know who he was working for, but a free and fair 2020 election was not his goal. You can tell by his behavior. When the uh, president finally attempted to talk some sense into Raffensburg, he lied about what he said, leaked it to the most untrustworthy publication in the United States, that would be the Washington Post, and then deleted the evidence that he conjured up. Unfortunately for him, he got caught. Well, this is good news. The federal judge... A federal judge lifted the Biden's administration temporary ban on new oil and gas leases on public lands and offshore waters, not just in Alaska, but in the entire United States. In a victory for 13 red states that filed the legal challenge in Louisiana, U.S. District Judge Terry Doughty uh, granted a preliminary injunction on Tuesday blocking the President Joe Biden's January 27th executive order while the litigation continues. Biden's order calls for a 60-day pause during which the Interior Department would conduct a comprehensive review of its leasing program. The president said the agency should consider its broad stewardship responsibilities, including the impact of global warming. Parenthetically, uh, uh, I, quite frankly, Larry Bell, Professor Larry Bell, coming up later in the show, wrote the book, Scared Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom. He can perhaps address some of these issues, but the whole thing is nonsense. 
Anyhow, oil industry advocates cheered the ruling after warning any long-term halt in leasing jeopardizes jobs and domestic energy production. Environmental groups countered the judge's order fails to account for the damage done by climate pollution. I'm not kidding. They really think that. The Interior Department said it's reviewing the ruling and will comply with it. The agency said it's working on the interim report that will outline next steps and recommendations for the Department and Congress. So, uh, good news for uh, the energy sector that uh, drilling may continue while at least uh, the courts consider the entire issue. Well, of all the uh, questions asked, words spoken, and ink spilled on the so-called capital siege of January the 6th, none hold the key to an entire event quite like what Senator Amy Klobuchar asked of Christopher Wray, the Democrat from Minnesota, asked the uh, Trump-appointed FBI director, did the federal government infiltrate any of the so-called militia organizations claimed to be responsible for planning and executing the capital siege? Ray kind of squirmed through and weaseled his way out of answering the question directly, partially because Klobuchar does him the courtesy of not asking him the follow-up question directly. Klobuchar instead asked the FBI director if he wished he had infiltrated the military organizations allegedly involved on January the 6th. Assuming from the outset there was in fact no infiltration, uh, thereby providing the FBI director an easy way to avoid answering the question one way or another. Well, Revolver News, and I'm not going to be able to cover this entire story, but it is a blockbuster. Uh, revivor, uh, visit revolver.news uh, to find out more. <clears throat> but in the year leading up to January the 6th, during the January 6th itself, to what extent were there three primary militia groups, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and the Three Percenters, that the FBI, Department of Justice, Pentagon, and Network News have labeled most responsible for planning and executing the Capitol attack, Uh, on January the 6th, Uh, how much were they infiltrated by agencies of the federal government informants of said agencies? Well, there were a lot. As you you go through this entire thing, what you basically see is that uh, there's a lot of evidence that, in fact, uh, the uh, federal government, FBI agency, CIA, uh, different agencies, uh, were infiltrating these organizations and actually got into leadership positions in order to direct the activities to make it happen. Now, this is what the evidence points to. I don't know if we can come to conclusively to that uh, conclusion, but irrespective, uh, a lot of evidence to that effect. You may re- remember uh, the plot to uh, kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of uh, Michigan. Well, as it turns out, uh, there were informants of the 16 people involved Five of them were actually uh, in, in the federal government. They were agents of the federal government who were directing and participating in the entire activity. Something stinks in the state of Denmark. Something's up. Why is this happening? Uh, we've politicized the bureaus in the federal government. Unfortunate. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. He's a constitutional scholar and chairman of a terrific organization. It's called the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C., and devoted to private property, free markets, securing individual liberty, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Keeping us all free and guarding our freedom. So, Bob, we've been for these past many weeks, we've been talking about the Second Amendment and gun control. Uh, one item we skipped over last week was, should we require gun owners to carry liability insurance? You know, it's an interesting idea, but I have doubts about its uh, constitutionality and even greater doubts about its uh, practicality. Uh, the constitutional argument is straightforward, and that is that mandated purchase of insurance is, is sort of like a poll tax. That is, you're, you're forcing somebody to pay in order to exercise a constitutionally guaranteed right. Mm -hmm. Now, may, maybe the gun case is uh, a little stronger because guns can be dangerous, but I don't think that uh, would be sufficient for the Supremes to condone a government-imposed charge in order to carry a gun, especially when the charge is likely to be beyond the ability of poorer people uh, to pay. So it's sort of discriminatory as well. 
the practicality argument is even more uh, nuanced. First, if you if you think about suicide, which is the major cause of gun deaths, um, the insurance if it if you had insurance, it would be payable to the estate. But in the insurance business, there's what's known as moral hazard, and that is the tendency of people behave differently when they're insured. Mm-hmm. And so insurance companies don't cover suicides because uh, they don't want to encourage that kind of behavior. Um, and if you talk about criminal acts, again, the commission of a crime is intentional. And again, the insurers are not likely to cover intentional conduct because anybody who has insurance against his own intentional acts is more likely to commit uh, those acts. Right. And of course, it's also true that no would-be killer would be deterred by an insurance mandate if he's not deterred by a law that uh, that penalizes murder. Uh, the, the criminals would simply go out and, uh, if they needed proof of insurance, they'd go simply steal a weapon or buy it from the uh, black market. Yeah. So the, the only area which it makes sense is accidents, um, and uh, and uh, that is to reimburse the the person who's harmed. And the two points there are that medical insurance already pays uh, for victims who are hospitalized or require uh, medical care, and just about everybody has medical insurance. And the other point is, you know, there are about 400 million guns in the United States, and with respect to accidents, there are about 500 accidental deaths. So even if you assume that a different gun is used in each of those deaths, if you had an insurance mandate, it would burden something like 99.9998% of the guns mm-hmm. uh, that had nothing to do with uh, an accidental death. And when you think about that in comparison with, say, auto insurance, where you have 32,000 deaths from a lot less cars, 250 million instead of 400 million. Mm-hmm. So you might be able to justify compulsory auto insurance, but uh, it's hard to justify compulsory gun liability, I think. Out of curiosity, is is insurance for gun owners even available, even if it's not compulsory? I think it it would be to cover, you know, accidents. It wouldn't be specifically for gun owners, but it would be a policy that covered medical costs of accidental injury, and might maybe guns might be included in that. Okay, so uh, we talked, though, we picked up on the topic of uh, drug legalization and the, the notion that uh, right now our war against drugs is creating a lot of the crime. What's been the foreign experience with drug legalization? Well, Portugal decriminalized, uh, this is 20 years ago, <clears throat> uh, all drugs, including cocaine and heroin. That was the only EU country to do so. Uh, so they made possession and use administrative violations, not crimes. Uh, only trafficking is still a, a crime. And decriminalization has been very popular. There's no uh, demand to go back to the old regime. And there's been no long-term adverse effect on drug usage. Uh, rates are among the lowest hmm. in the EU. The good news is that these related pathologies, like sexually transmitted diseases and overdoses, have decreased dramatically wow. because uh, the resources are now available uh, for treatment, and the users are no longer afraid to seek help because they know they're not going to be uh, put in jail. So I, I think, uh, at least in Portugal, it's been a roaring success. And, of course, uh, when you decriminalize, uh, then 
you, you have a major impact on gun violence as well. That's so interesting because at the time, and I recall we were having a conversation about this. It must have been 20 years ago, Bob, and there was concern that there'd be needles all over the parks and all kinds of problems. That's not happening here, but it's happening in California, <laughs> yeah. in uh, Portugal, I should say. Yeah, That's right. Amazing. Uh, so uh, what are the concessions to gun? We talked a little about the mansion Tomy bill, and we talked about concessions to uh, the NRA and to gun owners. What would be the concessions to gun controllers in the mansion Tomy bill? Well, you know, what they want is uh, background checks, which already cover all sales through licensed dealers. They want those checks extended to cover private sales at gun shows and sales over the internet. Uh, if you if you transferred your gun as a gift or uh, or made an in person sale outside of a gun show, that still would be exempt from reporting. So I, you know I think that the concession is substantial, but there were substantial benefits on the other side. So in my opinion. That compromise, Manchin Toomey, advanced the interests of gun owners. Mm-hmm. It made reasonable trade-offs and considered as a package. I think the bill offered uh, substantial net benefits to gun owners without intruding on core Second Amendment uh, liberties, and I hope that it will be reconsidered and passed. So one of the most interesting parts of that is just the ability to take gun, guns across uh, state lines, as I recall. That's a, exactly right, yeah, and that's a big deal. Right now it's illegal in a lot of states to uh, transverse, uh, transport guns across lines. Hmm. So tell us about the recent, you know, going back to March of 2018, gun control bill enacted here in Florida. Well, there's, you know, there were some useful provisions, uh, millions of dollars to improve school security and train school employees uh, ban these bump stocks, which convert semi-automatic weapons into illegal automatic weapons. And it, it gave the state new powers to remove gun guns and uh, ammunitions from people who were deemed to be a threat uh, because of mental illness. And it imposed a waiting period for long gun purchases. That provision, I think, is not wisely conceived of, but the others are pretty good. Uh, the bill also raised the minimum age for purchasing rifles to 21. That's kind of interesting. It may make sense. Yeah. Uh, all It's puzzling to me, though, why would lawmakers think that uh, an 18-year-old can legally smoke and maybe uh, tobacco kills them and sign contracts and get married and get divorced and have abortions and even vote on who's going to run the country, but they're not sufficiently level-headed to know uh, to own a rifle. Yeah. I mean, 21 might be the right age for rifles, but if it is, it's probably the right age for all of these other things that I mentioned as well. Yeah, great, great point. I think that's, that was a result of the Parkland shooting, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh-huh. So interesting. Bob Levy, again, the chairman of the Cato Institute, I encourage you to visit Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Good uh, to be with you. Thank you so much. All right, coming up. We're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So always look forward to your commentary, but uh, I've been always the optimist in our conversations. You, on the other hand, tend to lean a little bit more towards the pessimistic side. I think we would both agree with that. So in an effort to kind of uh, lighten things up, I understand you're looking for some good news. Well, you've embarrassed me into being more optimistic, Bob, so I... (laughs) I am pressured into this, but uh, I think there there is good news. Let me just start out with another comment. Uh, right. Your listeners may not be aware that we are uh, scheduled now to have a new federal holiday, uh, Juneteenth. Yeah. June 19th will be a federal holiday. It will cost the American taxpayer, because of federal employees being off and so forth, $600 million. So uh, it's another one of these days, Bob, that instead of just... Uh, uh, celebrating the end of slavery, it will be another day to point out the horror of white oppression. So, you know, I, I, I hate to think that's the case. It, in the Senate, it was uh, passed with uh, without any resistance whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there are problems with it. I understand the, the upside, but uh, on the other hand, uh, it, it will be another day to focus on the, the negative as the left consistently does. So, uh, now, uh, Andy, Andy, uh, is just to point out that the Juneteenth represents the day that folks in Texas heard that the slaves had been freed. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what about it? Has, it has no no particular uh, legal or legislative significance other than the date they became aware right. of something that happened two and a half years before that. So, right. <laughs> you know, uh, but but in any case, this is this is modern America. Yeah. Uh, the good news. There's several pieces of good news. Uh, some of it comes from the comedic area of America, which tends to be the uh, the uh, the early signs of maybe things changing. Bill Maher on his uh, HBO show attacked the the left uh, for their denying that progress had been made in in race and gender issues. He he said they are they have a uh, a tendency towards a progressive phobia. In other words, they continuously deny that progress has been made. So Bill Maher, generally considered to be on the left, uh, has attacked the left for that reason. Uh, John Stewart, appearing on the Steve Colbert show, uh, was uh, absolutely, uh, completely overt about his uh, pos- position that the Wuhan lab was the source of the COVID-19 uh, virus. Uh, at, at the end of that, of course, Steve Colbert asked John Stewart if he uh, was part of the Ron Johnson team. So, but you know, Colbert had stayed in stayed informed, but Stewart. Uh, was moving towards a more realistic position, uh, not necessarily in the comedic area, but Charles Barkley uh, attacked the political correctness and the uh, the cancel culture and said it was ruining ruining the NBA. In more serious type of issues, um, uh, the oily uh, suspension of uh, of Joe Biden uh, was rejected by federal judge Doughty in Louisiana, put a halt to that suspension. The vote uh, was uh, not the vote, but the position was was solid. I think that's a good indication that there's there's pushback, at least at the federal judiciary level. Uh, Another issue in the legal area, uh, there was a Supreme Court case in terms of reducing the the sentencing for crack cocaine uh, people sentenced prior to uh, 2018. uh, And that was rejected by the Supreme Court. Nine to zero. And yeah. I think that's the most important thing that I see is a, a unified Supreme Court once again uh, taking a solid position. Uh, the reason that was given for the reduction of those sentences was the uh, the racial disparity of those uh, uh, convicted uh, before 2018. And the Supreme Court uh, just overtly uh, rejected that kind of logic. So yeah. uh, those are some, I think, Good pieces of of uh, information that will perhaps set up a, a an, an open dialogue, something we haven't had in America for for quite a long time. Though, yeah, Bob. I'd like to add just one other as well. This is a, a little bit old news; it's a couple of days old. But the appellate court in Florida claims now that uh, all mask mandates, past and future, are unconstitutional in Florida. Well, I, mean, I think Florida is certainly, uh, and hopefully, I guess, more so than uh, <clears throat> certainly, but uh, there's a bellwether area for, for America, and uh, I think we're, we're seeing uh, some pushback. Noam is pushing back uh, against the Biden uh, suppression of their, her ability to use fireworks at, the, uh, at Mount Rushmore. So yeah. these are not dramatic moments, but I think in, in America we have to look at, at these minor things happening, these, these uh, incidental things almost, Bob, uh, that may be an indicator that we're, we're moving at least in the right direction. Absolutely, Andy. So, uh, you know, we just have completed the G7 meeting, uh, and <laughs> it was, you know, what a joke. Anyhow, what are your thoughts about all that? Well, you said all I had to say when you just said what you said, Bob. So, uh, obviously, the gaffes of, of Biden were, were a focus point. Uh, he referred to 
Libya, Syria, actually, Libya three times. Uh, why he couldn't catch his, his gaff, you know, after the first time is beyond me. Uh, he also, um, he was being guided in, in much of his presentation by Jill Biden, who had to prompt him to pay attention uh, on one occasion. But th there are m many serious things that are coming out of this, uh, this G7. Um, he indicated that uh, economic progress could not take place unless COVID-19 is ended. Now, you know, sometimes you've got to do what has to be done independently of a negative that exists like COVID-19. So uh, will COVID-19 end? I, I don't think it's going to end in that sense, Bob. Right. So if economic recovery is dependent on it, that's that's a bad statement. Uh, he also indicated that the economic progress would have to be built around uh, climate awareness and, and climate investment. So uh, those are things that I think uh, wait to be seen in terms of what that means and in terms of that being a primary of economic progress. I think the biggest thing to come out of, uh, of the G7 was the agreement for a global minimum corporate tax at 15%. Now, why the United States would uh, become complicit in the European model for corporate taxation is is beyond me. Right. Uh, obviously, they're trying to uh, diminish the possibility of corporations moving country to country to find a more uh, friendly tax environment. Uh, but for the United States to become complicit in this uh, is is absolutely just yielding to Europe. While it's again uh, another Biden uh, doing something that has absolutely no benefit for the United States of America. Right. Well, and including uh, the Paris Accord, jumping into that, the climate change agreement, all that nonsense. It's nothing but cost, no benefit. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, I, I, I would prefer to be in a race to the bottom of taxation. In other words, we're the lowest taxed uh, area in the in the globe. And therefore, people would, and companies would want to move to the United States of America. Well, it takes away one of our main competitive advantages in terms of international economics and international businesses. There, our, our tax structure has moved in the right direction. Our uh, there's un certainly under the Trump administration diminished regulatory control of corporations. Uh, so, if we're, what we're looking at with Biden at G7, I think, is becoming complicit in the in the European model, which will not help America in any in any way yeah. uh today i believe it's going to be today with they have the meeting there's a meeting between uh a summit meeting between biden and and putin now putin just went through several days of uh, uh first humiliating uh, joe biden in terms of his gaffes and then uh, launching a uh, a serious statement about the question as to who who killed ashley babbitt and what is the basis for the incarceration of 400 people uh, in solitary confinement after the, the January 6th situation? So uh, it's, it's going to be an extremely interesting meeting, obviously, between Biden and, uh, and, and Putin. Uh, and Putin is not going to take these ac accusations without significant pushback. So no. uh, let's see how uh, President Biden handles himself in that a very aggressive situation that I think uh, Putin will throw at him. Uh, by the way, the, there was a, this is kind of breaking today, but it's so interesting. I don't know if you look at revolver.news. Uh, yes. Did, I don't know if you saw the story about the Capitol siege. And uh, now there's evidence that there were actual uh, FBI agents and other government officials who were involved in per and not only participating in, but leading the process. In other words, it was a setup. They were all orchestrating the fact that this was lead to what, to what, how January 6th ended up. 
Yeah, the uh, the Klobuchar questioning of Christopher Ray yesterday was going certainly in that direction. Yeah. Uh, the most obvious uh, question certainly dealt with uh, were they aware and could they have, in fact, notified the legitimate authorities to to stop this from happening? That was the uh, that was a sort of a benign uh, part of this. The more serious one is the one you're pointing out was not only were there uh, FBI agents, federal agents planted in the the Oath Keepers, the the Proud Boys, the Three Percenters, but they were actually leaders. Co right. They are now what has been referred to as unindicted co-conspirators. These are FBI agents and federal agents that, as you just indicated, Bob, that not only were uh, part of this process to monitor it, but actually created in many ways the uh, the the plans that they created and uh, around January sixth. And I might add that it's been pretty well established that the the theoretic kidnapping of Governor Whitmer in in Michigan also was in fact planned by federal agents. Yeah. Of the fourteen people that have been named in that kidnapping, five of them have been identified as federal agents. Can you so, believe it? The question is, how deep is the, the federal uh, involvement, uh, certainly the FBI involvement, with, again, not just monitoring for the sake of, Amer sake of American security, but provoking these things for political gain at the end of the process. Bob. So, you know, just taking a step back, just can you imagine the fear that Democrats have of uh, Donald Trump and the Republican Party right now? You heard the comments from Joe Biden, how he diminished what he thought was the uh, uh, how the uh, Republican Party is kind of falling apart and it's diminished in its size. Well, the fact all this has been orchestrated. Why? to try and protect the Democrat uh, authority, to try and protect the Democrat uh, administration, Biden administration, because he didn't win the election. And people, <laughs> and they're just simply trying to uh, create diversions and trying to create uh, information that uh, supports his presidency. It's not working. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the left is, is terrified of the Republicans gaining uh, control of the federal government uh, and what that will lead to is the uh, revelation of the the uh, the process that was created, and I I think it's 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 on paper. Uh, the only thing preventing it from going public is, of course, the media itself. But uh, more so, the federal government is blocking our access to it. If we get back to January sixth, there are supposed to be fourteen thousand hours of video that have not been released to the American public. And, of course, we, we, we still have not identified the, the actual killer, the murderer, I would have it, of, of Ashley Babbitt. So uh, there are some serious suppressions of, of, of information in this country, uh, suppressions that typically only take place in a totalitarian government. So, yeah. And, by the way, let me just add to that, as, as long as I'm in that area, uh, there was a, uh, a former North Korean defector. She went to college in South Korea then transferred into Columbia, and she indicated that the atmosphere, the political atmosphere at Columbia University, one of our leading uh, Ivy League colleges, is worse in its ideologies than was the ideology being propagated in North Korea when she was there. That That is an outstanding statement to, to hear about an American university. Bob. Yeah, just the context, of course, is that she's fleeing North Korea with her mother, sold for $300, her mother sold for $100 into uh, uh, slavery. Uh, they ended up escaping, coming to the United States with the hopes of freedom and all the things that the, being in the United States would offer, and only to find out that uh, the education system, as exemplified by Columbia University, is not as good as the one in North Korea in terms of uh, being uh, propaganda and, uh, you know, 
lack of freedom of expression and so forth. Yeah, I'm, let me just sort of add to, to her story. Mm -hmm. I, I have a friend I might have mentioned. He, he escaped from Bulgaria during the communist regime with, with bullets kicking up at his heel. He had refused to become an officer in the Bulgarian army because he would have had to join the Communist Party. So this is a vehement anti-communist. He, he came to America in the early 60s and uh, he loved this. He loves this country with a, with such a passion. Uh, the man has been under such stress and anxiety because of what he's seen happening. And this is not a a, a good story. But he, he just recently had a stroke that uh. Uh, that seriously damaged them. And I I certainly believe that the stress he was under as he saw America deteriorate. Uh, into something that closely resembled what he had escaped from in Bulgaria is a is a is a story that I think has to be has to be told and understood by by Americans, Bob. Yeah, you know, my uh, this uh, North Korean woman who's now twenty seven. Uh, I, I I featured that on yesterday's show, so I just encourage our, encourage our listeners to take a look at that. So, uh, just moving uh, to what's happening around the world, Israel's prime minister, uh, new election, new government. What are your thoughts? Well, it's a it's a strange prime uh, prime minister process they have. Uh, uh, Netanyahu was uh, knocked out of the prime minister slot uh, in the Knesset by a vote of sixty to fifty nine. Uh, his party remains the strongest party by far in in Israel. The Likud uh, had picked up thirty seats in the Knesset. Uh, Bennett picked up uh, the Amina party picked up only seven seats approximately five percent of the of the vote went to Bennett's party but Bennett aligned himself with eight other uh, minority parties including the Arab party in the Knesset so we, we have here a, a Bennett who was generally seen historically as an ultra-nationalist but now has by necessity aligned himself with some of the far left including the Arab party in the Knesset uh, to maintain his 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 slot as the prime minister, he will have to yield to the pressures of those far left parties in the Knesset. Bob. Yeah, interesting. It's kind of like a what happened here in the United States. So just people are just voting against Trump. They are voting against. Uh, they just didn't want uh, him to be a prime minister anymore. I'm talking about uh, Netanyahu. So well, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly he has been under the same type of attack, illegal attacks that uh, our president went through and is still going through. By the way, uh, now they're looking at uh, Trump's Department of Justice in terms of uh, what they're describing as illegal actions. So this assault on the president is uh, is is ongoing and will never end because, as you indicated before, Bob, the left is terrified of the return of the great Donald Trump. Absolutely. So. Uh you, uh, in one of your blogs, were referencing Eric Hoffer, the great Eric Hoffer, the uh, uh, longshoreman in, uh, the, I think it was in San Francisco area, that uh, basically yes. became a great philosopher here in the United States. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, Eric Hoffer and, and Thomas Sowell were, were two of the, uh, the philosophers, the authors, and Sowell more an economist than a philosopher. I use them heavily in my classes because of their wisdom and their, their precise way of creating a, a short phrase that exposed a lot. Let me just give you a, a few comments from Eric Coffer. Uh, this is from The True Believer. He said, faith in a holy cause is to a considerable extent a substitute for the lost faith in ourselves. He said, the character and destiny of a group are often determined by its inferior elements. Uh, here's a, this is a very focused. There can be no mass movement without deliberate misrepresentation of facts. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was writing during the, the Cold War era, 
so he was writing primarily about communism. But in retrospect, Hoffer's remarks explained uh, Bolshevism. It explained the rise of the Nazi Party. And as I indicated in my in my blog, Bob, uh, I think he completely explains the the origin of the uh, the progressive left. Many people have have asked. They've asked me. They've asked in general. You know, uh, why would these people be doing something that is so inherently detrimental, not only to America but to their own well-being? And Eric Hoffer answers those questions in terms of explaining the origin of the ideological fanatic. And I think that's. That's certainly what we're looking what we're looking at here in America, Bob. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh, you know, everybody wants to be important. Everybody, I should make that uh, wild generalization, but everybody wants to be a, make a difference. And when you can get, attach yourself, if you're on the fringe of society and you can attach yourself to something like, for example, Black Lives Matter, uh, all of a sudden you feel important and feel like you have power now and to act, which is basically. Uh, contrary to the well-being of the United States of America. Plus, the individual loses all sense of personal responsibility. In other right. words, whatever happens, uh, even if it's the most negative, they uh, they can they can escape from their individual role in that process by by uh, suggesting that it was not them, but it was the larger ideology. So it, it's a way of removing themselves from uh, from personal responsibility. And just just one more comment from uh, from from Hoffer, who was very appealing to me, as I indicated. He says, "Though they who clamor loudest for freedom are often the ones." least likely to be happy in a free society. So I think that's what we're seeing now. And when people say, well, you know, why, why aren't these people in, a, in, the, in the, 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 the greatest country in the history of the world, why aren't they happy? And the, the answer is, is because freedom is a burden to these people. Freedom is something that they reject because it imposes responsibility on them. And responsibility is the furthest thing from their, from their intent. So uh, again, it, it, for your listeners, I would recommend, and uh, Hoffer wrote that book, The True Believer, in 1951, but as you read it, it, is, it, it has a feel of currency that is so dramatic that you would swear he is writing it in 2021, Bob. Yeah, The True Believer by Eric Hoffer. Andy, as usual, always great commentary. I just genuinely appreciate what you bring to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Bob. Talk My to pleasure. you soon. All right, thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. He's a... Uh, uh, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's a really big role, played a big role in the space program back in the day when it was flourishing. Uh, he's also written many, many books. What Makes Human Beings Exceptional is his latest. It is a terrific read. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. 
Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author uh, of many, many books. Uh, His latest is uh, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. He also wrote Scared to Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom, which is just a terrific read with regard to climate change. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, I always enjoy it so much. Thank you. Thank you, Professor. So I, I want to talk to you about the bioengineering and the marvelous cures worth the monstrous risks is the question you've raised. But before we do, uh, right now we find uh, the President of the United States seeking votes in order to support his quote-unquote infrastructure bill, which is really a... Uh, what he's talking about is Green New Deal. Uh, what are your thoughts about all this? Well, I, I look at it as large, part of a larger picture of amazing uh, amount of spending that they're proposing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that spending is going to have repercussions. It's going to, uh, they were kind of uh, trying to downgrade the risk of inflation, but we're already seeing tremendous inflation. And when you Take the infrastructure bill, which is, you know, only as it's been proposed, only a small percent, less than ten percent. I understand that the Democrats have proposed it. That actually goes for infrastructures. We understand it, which is roads and bridges and perhaps airports and so on. Um, the vast um, amount of it is for social programs that uh, really have nothing to do with our concept of infrastructure. Mm. Altogether, you know, the $6 trillion that, that Biden has been proposing for new spending and, and, and you know, $6 trillion, you know, they say, oh, a million, a billion, a tr- what can a, you know, how much trouble can a trillion be? But <laughs> they have no, have no concept of how much money that is. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I you know, in the article I wrote, I, in this, I, I kind of laid out some visuals, and one I thought was interesting is that if you if you were to take $1 bills, which are like a little over six inches long and a little over three inches wide, uh, and you were to uh, take those dollar bills and put them 
next to each other, they'd cover about 24,000 square miles. That's, that's the state of West Virginia. Mm. And, I mean, we just can't fathom how much money we're talking about. And, uh, and, and the spending is, is going to be so inflationary. And, again, we're seeing that. And then in combination of that, we're seeing it with, you know, the, the, the elimination of the Keystone Pipeline and the, the uh, moratorium on drilling on federal lands and waters and so on. So we're seeing it at the gas pumps now. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, we're seeing, and then, of course, when you have you hit transportation, which is real infrastructure, it hits commodities and so on. So inflation is just really a, a treacherous thing. And so, of course, the government prints more money, you know, and, and, the, and money is really a form of taxation. It means government's spending more money than it has, more of our money than it has. So it uh, adds more funny money to it, mm-hmm. you know, which causes inflation. And it's essentially a tax. It's a tax that we don't call a tax. So mm-hmm. what we're doing today is going to have, we talk about cradle-to-grave protections for people. Well, the, what it really means is the, the you know, young children that are in the cradles today will be paying off you know, the, the, you know, beyond the graves of their parents and grandparents. So yeah. it's, you know, it's a terrible trend. It's uh, foolish, and it's... Uh, it's really uh, irresponsible. Yeah. Thank you for your comments on that. And, of course, you know, we didn't even touch on the, the uh, absurdity of the whole notion of climate change and uh, where that leads to. But I do want to talk to you about your column in, in Newsmax. Uh, on point, your latest column is, Are Bioengineering's Marvelous Cures Worth the Monstrous Risk? I thought it was so informative. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah. Again, when we, you know, we think of, you know, the gain-of-function uh, research, it looks now that, you know, like the U.S. has been actually uh, subsidizing this research in the one laboratories in China that, in the, in the virus, you know, leaked out, presumably. And, and I think it's pretty much, you know, everyone understands that now that's really been following it. We understand what happens when, what can happen when we, when we do a lot of this, you know, the bioengineering, and, one hand, you know, the bioengineering in general, of course, that was bioengineering a virus to to be able to be weaponized uh, against human cells. But the article really deals more with bioengineering of the human cells and genome. And one one of the, of course, the benefits are with that, we can begin to uh, perhaps bioengineer out some of the uh, <clears throat> uh, bad uh, genomes that uh, affect and create cancers and and uh, other 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 whole host of other medical problems and and even birth you know issues birth defects and so on. So in that regard, it's uh, you know very exciting. On the other hand, it's very terrifying because when we start messing with with ourselves, you know the they, they've, uh, you know, the Chinese have uh, have uh, used some of these same processes, and actually, they're they're kindred to the to the to the gain of function research for for the viruses, and in doing so, they've uh, 
you know, they and also we have been, we've been altering, you know, putting human cells in, you know, human brain cells in mice and in mm. laboratory and showing how they they tend to distribute themselves and the mice quote gets smarter and and we you know we can we can engineer cows to have double muscling and most recently uh, there was uh, you know they you know, they took uh, embryo of uh, human and, uh, and and a monkey and, and combined it in a petri dish and Oof. were able to keep it alive for 19 months and you know, 19 I'm sorry 19 days and uh, so so we're, we're we're playing a dangerous game that can you know that can uh, potentially and, and and there's there's good information pretty reliable information that the Chinese are are altering they're using these technologies to create stronger military and uh, perhaps smarter, whatever. And so we're, we're really, we're really playing with a very dangerous game. And you come to the point where you say, well, you know, we, you know, people can go to a clinic and order what kind of children they want. You yeah. know, it's, it's really coming to that. What color hair do you want? What color eyes, you know, what, you know, of course, what, what gender and so on, how tall, you know, how strong, you know, and, and we're, we're, at the cusp of being able to do some some things that are exciting and also very terrifying, and the issue is just because we can do it, should we do it? Right. And where does all this lead? Yeah, great, great column, uh, Professor Bell. And I want to encourage our listeners to go to newsmax.com and check out our bioengineering's marvelous cures worth the monstrous risk by Professor Larry Bell. Also, uh, check out the books that he's written, including uh, w- How Humans Are Truly Excited. I probably got the title right. I don't have it right here in front of me, Professor, but I've read it. It's a great read, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, thank you. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I uh, certainly did. Tomorrow... Uh, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw. He is a co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Always look forward to his updates on education. Dr. Tony Dale will be joining us. Uh, he has uh, got some ideas about, instead of single-payer systems and government systems, about how, uh, way, ways that we can have private single-payer systems here in the United States that he thinks will make a big difference. Interesting concept. I wanted to make sure that we had a chance to hear about it. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government and also, of course, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.